Yeah, I wanted to book you on this uh, show that I do. It's that basement show. There's no mic, no chairs, and unfortunately, this time around, I can't pay you, but there is a buffet. Cops retirement party. I got no room for you to stay in, but there's free drinks. You wouldn't mind uh, hiding out for about a half hour, 45 minutes until the uh, birthday girl gets there, would you? Wondering if you'd like to do comedy uh, on a boat. Not a very big boat, kind of just like a real boat. Really, it's just a canoe. Let me know if you want to do the gig. Hey, Gary, how you doing? We're back. This is Death by Comedy. I'm Chris Walsh. I'm Gary Peterson. (laughs) Did I mess you up there, Gary? I think I I, I said your name there and threw you off a little. uh, I got scared. You okay. know, I'm so I'm so intimidated by your presence. I've always just been. Don't interrupt. I've okay. always just been. <laughs> okay. Been a fan, but I'm ruthless. You know. You that. bastard. Uh, you know I'm your your number one fan, and a misery sort of gonna hobble you one day. Since um, the feeling is mutual, Gar. They're <laughs> both. You imagine. <laughs> you imagine a movie where, where. It's just two stalkers that are stalking each other and they, yeah. they get into their lair and they're like, you know what? I, I just feel like this is not going to work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't been made as of yet. The, the movie where two stalkers end up stalking each other. In, um, in, a, in a twist of fate, they become the best of friends. <laughs> I find that uh, like Christmas lights always make me think of like real weirdos. Like when Christmas yes. comes around, I'm always like, you know, it's weird when you see Christmas lights and it's not Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. Christmas lights can mean one of two things. It's either Christmas or you've been kidnapped by a maniac, <laughs> basically. And I, I'm sad to say that my girlfriend put uh, Christmas lights in, up in our living room year-round. We got, we got the twinkle lights going on, and uh, I guess I'm not sad to say that. I love her. I guess that's, you know, why we're in love. In love, past tense. Um, um, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I lost it. She's holding a gun to me off uh, camera here. I, off, uh, I, Mike. I, that weirdo thought that you have about lights, I have the same thought about Halloween decorations. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, it especially makes me skeptical. Uh, uh, in the suburbs, a lot of people would trick out their lawn and make it look really cool and fun. But like days after Halloween, um, they would either be too lazy or whatever. And uh, there was one house I remember. You know those lamp posts that you see more in like New England that are like pointed lamp yes. posts? Yeah. And they're, they light up. They're on lawns a lot. Right. Uh, people would just drape a white sheet over them, which would look like a ghost. Yeah. But after Halloween, it, it looks like a, like a KKK statement. <laughs> it's just because it, it yeah. fans out. Like right. it has like fake arms. So I'm always like, is this, is this like holiday spirit or a hate crime? Yeah. I'm always kind of yeah, clean wondering. Clean up your lawn on November, at least by November 5th or something. Yeah. You know, you Get can't, it, ready. You gotta, it can't go past day of the dead. It's got to be cleaned up. <laughs> Not that New Englanders, we even know what that is. Um, <laughs> For me, I get creeped out over the, to bring it back to Christmas, like post-Christmas, people will have those like inflatable, you know, like polar bears and like 
mm-hmm. Santa Claus in a sleigh, but then they let them all go and they're all just like deflated on a lawn. That's the saddest, creepiest <laughs> thing. You're just like walking by the lawn with all these deflated, like, you know, elves and, and, and deer. They're, everything looks dead post-Christmas. You're like, turn it on at least. You're going to leave it out there. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a lawn, somebody went all out for Halloween. It was in the suburbs of San Diego, just outside San Diego. And it was like right after Tom Petty had died. Yes. And so somebody stuffed a mannequin dressed as Tom Petty. And it had a name tag on it that said Tom (laughs) Petty. So you knew it. And then it said learning to fly forever free falling and i was like what the fuck wow. is this why is it a ha-? and it was part of like a spooky halloween town. yeah yeah <laughs> it's like, the what? tom petty haunted house there's you just go in there and there's a guy mad that they're not playing more mud crutch you know on the local <laughs> radio station or whatever that's a deep cut for you tom petty fans uh, which might have none uh, <laughs> you have no but, faith in this yeah, audience. No, I have plenty of faith, but I, I don't know how many audience members we have, Gary. At this point, I think it's my mother and like my maybe my sister. I don't know. My sister, too. So it's oh, growing. Nice. Oh, At good. this rate, if it doubles every day, yeah. then we'll have a million people. You like might, the penny you thing. You might get half the Walshes by next month. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, it's good. This week we have, uh, we have Ron Lynch. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite performers all time. He's been an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's, you know, I didn't, I should have really thought about it before we interviewed him, but he's one of these guys who's like unsinkable, you know, like as bad as an audience can be. He, he's like the guy, the one guy you see doing well on a bad show all the time. Yeah. You know, like you can be on a bad show and you're like, oh man, this show's terrible. The crowd's bad. You know, you're going down your list for reasons why it sucks. And then mm-hmm. Ron will go out and just crush that yeah. audience. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's, you would be shaken in your ability if you were paying attention, but you can't pay attention because you're just like, like when I watch Ron, I get that feeling in my gut where I can't like, I, it's not just not breathing. It's like a stitch. And then my, my mouth hurts, like my chin. He did this to us on, on this podcast. Oh, yeah. In a few minutes people will hear like towards the end when he does that character or he improvises and my mouth hurt, you know, yeah. just from watching him. Like, he's always makes me feel like a little kid whenever it, I'm watching him perform. It's you know? funny you say that. I've been watching the, the Michael Jordan um, uh, sort of center of the last dance with all them. Right. And what you just said about somebody that can go into any situation and plug away and destroy and make you feel that hard laugh, which he makes us both feel. Right. And I was like, man, I haven't laughed. I, I was like... It's like five people have made me laugh that hard. Yeah. One was like my best friend growing up was right. Brian Regan and other right. great comedians and Ron Lynch. And yeah. it's that Michael Jordan thing of like the chips may be down, the show may suck or the, the, the you know, the, the score may not be in your favor, but there's still time on the clock. Yeah. And so Ron goes in with that, you know, mentality of like, it doesn't matter what happened before or what happens after. It's the now and he goes in and crushes because he's just doing his thing. That's right. like, oh my god, that's what a guy who's been doing comedy for thirty years knows. That you know, somebody like me that's only been doing it—I don't know, two weeks. Um, <laughs> how long have I done this? You're the best uh, comedian for two weeks in that I've ever seen. Barry. <laughs> oh, Queens of Rare. Um, 
but uh, uh, Ron Lynch is uh, uh, hilarious. Uh, yeah. uh, check out his stuff. You know his stuff. Where, yeah, where yeah. Well, he's, I mean, you may have seen him a while ago on Home Movies, which was a great, you know, cartoon that was on later at night. He's uh, more recently, he's been on that show Corporate that's on Comedy Central. It's in its last season now, but it's amazing. Uh, he's also been on multiple appearances on Bob's Burgers. And uh, every week he does a show on Instagram. I mean, it's probably easier to watch if you're on the West Coast, but it's at 11 p.m. Uh, West Coast Pacific Standard um, on Instagram, on Ron's Instagram. It's Ron Lynch one uh, on Instagram. And he's, he's just, he's tremendous. Like, you know, this is a great conversation we have with Ron. He talks about some of our old stomping grounds and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So without further ado, Ron Lynch. Death by comedy. Death by comedy. Thanks for joining us. We have Ron Lynch. Yay. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We appreciate oh, it. I was finishing up. I didn't mean to say it that way. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me. There we yes. Go. Yes. Well, you know, this is, this is a, you know, a podcast about um, terrible shows, and we imagine you may have been on one or two. Um, not pointing any fingers, of course, but... Uh, Gary and I both started out in Boston, and we know that when you're coming up, things can be quite difficult. Um, uh-huh. We just like talking about the bad times as well as the good. Uh, did you have, like, I think, like, a staple of, of starting out in comedy is travel, and it's usually pretty bad in the Northeast. Did you have any, like, awful experiences going to and fro in, like, New Hampshire or Maine or even in yeah, well, let me first say, though, that uh, when I moved to California, I moved to San Francisco, uh-huh. um, uh, I had to start looking for other gigs because, you know, it cost a lot of money to move. Yeah. And I was about to get off the bus and go work at Macy's when I decided to get back on the bus and go home because I did <laughs> not want a real job. Wow. And, um, I walked in the door and... Um, Got a phone call 10 minutes later, pretty crazy, from somebody who booked out-of-town gigs. Mm-hmm. And um, so I picked up some work. And that, that just that small amount of work was enough to keep me not working a regular job. Yeah, um, yeah. It ha- and, had, um, yeah, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, the actual point of it is that um, I was told, this is probably a hell gig. You're going to think it's a hell gig. Yeah. And, um, it would be nothing like hell gigs in, out of Boston. Or in the North oh, yeah, yeah, nothing like it. Yeah. And a hell gig in California was um, having to perform on a disco floor to eight people <laughs> who aren't doing anything really, and you're just performing, you're doing your time, you're getting your check. Yeah, and it's bad, I mean, right. but it's not as bad as this. We're trying to make people laugh, and nobody's listening. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, That's yeah, true. <laughs> The gigs in the, in the Northeast, you know, where uh, you had to watch out of people going to throw something at you or uh, strong hecklers who didn't really understand he- uh, comedy and they were brought there by somebody else, which still happens here too. But uh, yeah. um, I don't remember any hell gigs used to, I used to just think, all right, well, I'm getting paid and it would fall off yeah. my shoulders. But um, I remember doing things, <laughs> I did, I did. This is a brief, this thing just came into my head, but it's not yeah, really yeah. one of the things you Go want to tell. It. But I did a gig at a Chinese restaurant that had a rock stage or a band, a stage for a band, I think. Um, and we were told we could eat there. We could get two items um, yeah. by the owner. And uh, it was with Dave Cross. 
And um, we came off stage and the guy actually said that he wasn't going to feed us now. <laughs> he wasn't going to give us the food. <laughs> and, um, yeah. You, because both, great. both of us made fun of the place, I think is why. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's something uh, about the Northeast where you're always playing in Chinese food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of gigs like that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the first not, places I played was like that. Was that? I said one of the first places I ever played was like that. It was out on Route 2, out by uh, UMass Amherst. I don't oh, know if you ever oh, played Amherst. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, it was called Peking Garden. Uh, Eugene yes. Merman told yes. me about it. Yes. And so I went out there and I, I was new. I had only performed under a half a dozen times and I got a you know you was like a bringer and so I brought most of the audience but I knew my brother was like a roommate with somebody on the hockey team so I brought like half the UMass hockey team and uh you know I, it went okay because they were just like oh he's new at this and they were very supportive but as uh, soon as I was done they cleared out and ran out on their check oh uh, no yeah, so I, I, I was like, you know, not great at comedy, but I was like, when, when it was over, they were like chasing me out the door for like a couple hundred dollars worth of buffet food. Oh, no. So I did the opposite of oh. you, Ron, I guess. <laughs> and it wasn't a paid gig, obviously. No. Um, no, yeah, we did the Peking Garden. I remember that gig. Yeah. Uh, also up on Route 2 in Saugus was... Uh, the infamous uh, Chinese restaurant that I can't think of right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Kowloon. Yeah. Kowloon, exactly, yes. Mm. And uh, it was basically you performed, uh, there was a uh, oval-shaped bar, and you performed at one side of the oval-shaped bar. There would be people sitting at the bar there. That was it, those three people in front of you. And then everybody else was on the other side of that bar um, <laughs> or at either end. And uh, it was like not a, not a great setup. Yeah, uh, and um, that was still pretty fun, though, in a way. Because yeah. uh, you could eat some food, and it wasn't that far away. Right. Uh, though a side story is, I remember there was a big parking lot to the place off to the side, up on a hill. Yeah. And I can't remember who the comic was, but um, somebody yelled while he was on stage about his car because they kind of knew his car. His car wasn't in gear. And it slowly ran down the parking lot <laughs> and ran in, went back end into Route Two. Oh no! And, um, I don't think anybody <laughs> hit it though. I think it's a good ending. Jeez. Yeah. The car still hit the thing. It got it got damaged for sure, but Jeez. it's still drivable. That's, that's that would be a hell gig for that person. I remember. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it was. Um, I talked about it. And you what? I, well, I. <laughs> I remember uh, we, we've always pet, like bumped into each other. And um, the last time I saw you in person, it was me, Chris Walsh, uh, Dan Bulger, James Patterson, uh, Steve Sweeney, Dana Gould, Bobcat Goldthwait. And we were wow. all sitting in a theater watching Sweeney's movie, Sweeney Killing Sweeney. And I, uh-huh. I felt like this was like a Boston comedy high school reunion, classes of like 19... 87, <laughs> 97, and, and 2007. <laughs> and, yeah, that's funny. and it was, uh, uh, it got me thinking about, like, you were starting out in that, like, whole ding-ho era, right? Yeah, yeah. And you were doing a totally different thing. You're doing a different style. You're, you're, you're uh, a very funny person, but... I was in a ever... comedy team. I was in, it was two of us. 
maybe maybe when you saw me, maybe not. I don't think I don't think I did too much solo in Boston, but um, it's possible. The last year or so, I was there. Um, go ahead, I'm cutting you off. Sorry. No, no. I, I guess like what I wanted to know was, I mean, you had the duo, so you could always rely on each other. Like when you were doing those gigs alongside those guys, were you were you kind of accepted into that 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 core group, or were you like on the fringe of it because you were doing a different thing? Uh, no, that was the amazing thing. I mean, we just did a Dingo reunion, and uh, the amazing thing about the, that time, um, uh, and especially the Dingho and that whole Boston scene, nobody, everybody appreciated everybody else. The competition wasn't that great. Um, if somebody wasn't funny, they were kind of in trouble, I think. If, yeah. You know, but everybody had their own style. Um, uh, there was a lot of rough and tumble type comics, you know, Lenny Clark. And then, uh, and then there were some people that did writing. They actually wrote comedy like us. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, there was no uh, animosity, really. I mean, Lenny and I had a fake animosity thing at the Ding Ho where he would, if he saw me in the audience, he would just berate me and just point at me and do stuff. There was a point where I was planning on buying a, um, a sugar a bottle, you know, made a, a glass, fake glass bottle. Right, I was going to run up and hit it, hit it over Lenny's head. And then I found out the bottle was 60 bucks and I went, no, <laughs> <laughs> not, not worth it. Yeah. So I used the real bottle. No, no. <laughs> Uh, let me tell uh, Yeah, no, no, it was all equal. I mean, there was a time when Dana Gould, you know, uh, who is much funnier than me now, um, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> he, 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 might, he might disagree. <laughs> um, he used to drive me to gigs, so that, you know, drive us to gigs too. And um, so it was fun. We knew him for a while. We saw, I've seen Dana forever, so. Uh, but it was pretty crazy that that it, it took the, the making of a movie to get everybody together yeah. to together in a theater. Yeah, and uh, the Farrellys were there, I think, which was interesting. Yes. Fresh off their yeah. Oscar win. That's right. Um, for Dumb and but, Dumber too. Yeah, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Um, I was going to ask Ron because you're really great at working with bad situations. You know, like, I, I mean, like, you know, you, I remember there was, well, I'll just give an example. We used to do this show up uh, across from the Home Depot. You remember that little motel? It was like, it had a little, uh, it was like Dreams Lounge on Sunset. And it was like, you would go in and it was almost out like here. a movie set. Yeah, 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 out here in Los Angeles, across yeah. from the Sunset on uh, the Sunset Home Depot. I used to love that place. Me too, me too. And and so we would always get asked to host because we would go and do like, you know, different stuff and sketches off the, um, you know, on the fly or whatever. But There's I remember they would... Motel lounge, but a separate building kind of. Yeah, it was almost like a Motel 6, but it had this old diner. And then it was the up back, the back of the diner. That's right. In the back of the diner was like this little uh, performance space. Like, and it was almost like a throwback. I think it's still there. I don't know if they're yeah, doing, they're not there. doing shows now, but I remember one time we went in there and it would be like, you know, they would put all the people they thought were like the weirdos together. You know what I mean? And I was always honored to be on a show with like you and Anthony DeVries or something, you know, or, you know, Tony uh -huh. Sam. Yeah, and uh, they didn't know what to do with the rest of us on like other comedy shows, but they'd cram us in, and you'd get a really different type of vibe. And I remember one time we went in there, and they were shooting this like promotional thing where they had this like 
I don't know. He was like uh, like Czechoslovakian or something. Like I don't know if they spoke English, but the guy had like one of those like turrets with a camera on it. You know, it was yes. like this thing where you yes. have like yes. And, and they just they didn't say anything to anybody. They were there before the show, and they were just directed at the stage. And he had this like turret uh, rig with the camera on it, like a really nice camera pointed towards the stage. And we're all just sort of all the comedians are looking at each other going like, what the hell is going on here? There's not even much of a crowd. They're shooting promotional material. Is it for this like rundown hotel or is it for the comedy show? Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. They they explain it was for some weird like online zine or whatever. And so everyone is like, you know, some people are trying to talk to them, but they're just ice. They're icing everyone out. Well, you went up and, you know, obviously you went on later in the show because out here it's like, you know, you're headlining and all that stuff. But when you went up, I remember you had Anthony DeVries do a thing where he was doing like some dumb improv comedy bit where he was like a, an improv gymnast or whatever. And he's just, but I think you told him not to be too loud and he kept doing jumping jacks and stuff. <clears throat> and then you stood directly in front of the guy's camera as though you were a reporter reporting on a terrible comedy show and your whole set was just basically like i'm down here at this comedy show <laughs> and your cadence and it was so good but it was like <laughs> you made the most out of like a really tough situation and i've seen you do that over and over and over and over and over again like i think if you know just to sort of round it off here like when I've seen you on the worst shows that I've been on, you're always not only the best part about it, but you're able to dig us out of a grave totally <laughs> where it's like, oh, Ron's on this awful show. I can't wait to see what he does. Did that come out of Boston or out of any situation? Is there a lot of tough rooms? Yeah. Huh? Uh, I said if only every show was horrible. Uh, <laughs> thanks for reminding me of that, that DeVries thing. I forgot about that. It was so great. Yeah, there weren't that many comics there. That, I wouldn't have done it if it was like a, a, a good audience. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah, that's that, very uh, telling, by the way. Uh, uh, I wouldn't uh, have performed well for a good audience. <laughs> that's a very... Oh, no, I mean, that's part of it, too. I mean, the less the less pressure, yeah, uh, the more fun it could be, you know? And you, uh, you kind of let go. I don't know. Yeah. I let go if that happens. Uh, small crowds are not bad. I mean, that, yeah. those, that's why those are held gigs to some people, because they'll be telling jokes. I don't have any jokes. I don't have any writing. <laughs> uh, um, you and me both. A joke, and if a joke doesn't go over, go over well, or five in a row don't go over well, right. you don't, well, you kind of don't know what to do if you're just doing stand-up, I guess. Right, but, right. Um, no, I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy a bad crowd for some reason, um, especially if there's a couple of people that kind of pick on Right. Um, uh, no, I wouldn't say I'm a crowd guy either. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you just kind of like, I mean, there's never really a game plan, right? Like you're just going in there and you're just trying to, like anyone would, just make the best of a bad situation. Um, right. And I think I, I think a lot of time you improvise really well. I don't want to leave the place going, oh my God, why did I come over here? So... <laughs> That makes uh, one of us. I, yes. <laughs> I drive past that place, though, and I, I have memories of that place. That we, yeah. you know, I did a really funny thing there, too, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, <laughs> I could probably tell you all the instances. Because um, I, I think that was one of those things. I lived around the corner. It was, like, the closest place to me. And whenever I saw your name on the list, I'd be like, all right, I got to go watch Ron. Uh, uh, um, and then randomly, you know, there would be people who popped in there that you would run into, like, odd celebrities 
um, the guy who's who's the pizza guy in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? He died a few years ago. Um, you remember that guy? Taylor Negron. Taylor Negron. He was there one night, and I don't even think he was performing. And he was like kind of one of my heroes from the '80s, where I was like, "Oh, that like I know who that guy is, and he's on the wall yeah, at the I comedy store." I think I remember it being. He there. would just show up there and yeah. and watch shows. I think he maybe lived nearby, and I was like, "This is like so crazy that you're going to see this guy Taylor Negron here." I think he might have been in Punchline or whatever. It was like, well, I think if it kept going, I think that it would have that kind of culty feel to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's so hard, especially if you're running that room. Yeah. And you're not making any money to uh, convince the people that have the place for you. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure nothing happens in that back room. It was just a small room with a bar. And if you had 15 people in there for the audience, you had it made. Yeah. That took up all three tables. <laughs> well, we were like keeping the place open. I think just, it's like one of those things that's a lot of bad shows, right? When you start out mostly yeah. where it's all comics, just drinking and eating the food and like doing karaoke after it's over or whatever. Right. And then they're there on Tuesday. Like that's what happened with the comedy studio in Boston. It was a bunch of comedians hanging out after like a bar night on a whatever darts. And then sure. Rick Jenkins was like, let's turn this into a room. You know, it was just people going right. out for drinks. Look at today. Comedy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that was part of also part of the uh, moving of Catch a Rising Star for like five places before it finally died. Yeah, and that's kind of where it died. Was Catch a Rising Star died at that at the, the Hong Kong? Uh, oh, I was in a. He had a room upstairs at the Worst House. Oh, yeah. You know, at Abercrombie and Fitch, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. Let's not start on that story. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a, a, a question that I, I like to ask performers that have done it forever. Like you have, you've done this for decades. You know what you're doing now. You like, yeah, you're really old, Ron. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I, I think you know, that now that you're like seasoned, uh, an interesting question that I like to ask uh, is if you could do it again. So is there anything in your mind right away now, like knowing the skills that you have today, if you could go back to a nightmare gig, be like, oh, I, I could kill that room now. Is there anything like that that's kind of jumping out at you? Well, my immediate impulse is that it would be worse now. <laughs> uh, it would be worse now because I would feel better about myself, but I would be doing a, a crappier gig. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look, going back, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I wouldn't take gruff from people I would be I would dig into people more but when you're in a comedy team you're also you're also after dealing with the thing that has to come next which is you're doing with your partner uh, mm-hmm. which is Boston um, so I would eliminate all my Boston years that way um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, so I don't know I don't think I'd want to do the gigs again if that's not even an answer right now but um, I right. don't think I, I don't know what I would do differently looking back at the gigs. I think I would just be more aggressive, more aggressive and uh, less, less nice. Yeah. Is <laughs> um, there, is there, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is like when, you know, a lot of comics will go and do a show and you see them doing badly and you're like, well, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to uh, go up there and I'm going to do really well. And then you completely eat shit as well. Uh, 
But, you know, it can also go the other way. You know, I, I always see you doing that on, I mean, I mentioned that earlier, but you're, you know, there's like a ballroom show downtown and everyone's doing badly. And then you kind of turn the show on its head. Actually, there was another time I'll tell, I'll tell this. Oh, Ron yeah, no, I love that place for that. You know I what love- I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're performing to ghosts and there's like these old ballrooms and you're yeah. like, it's, I don't know, I forget. It's like in a it hotel. Be a, it couldn't have been a bigger space. It's a huge space. It shouldn't be. It's like, you know, like, like it's like a ballroom dancing. There are like mirrors on the side. And it's, it's the top of a ballroom. It's cut off. I forgot. It's Algonquin. What's the name yeah. of the hotel? Um, it's it's the top of a ballroom, like the top eight feet of a ballroom that's been cut off. Yeah. So it had a really low ceiling too. Um, there's also the thing where when you get there, you don't know what room you're going to be in. So sometimes they're like, oh, it's in this, you know, presidential palace over here. And it's like beautiful, oh, but it's weirder. And then they're like, no, no, you're in the one that's cut off. So go down the hall and the bartender's down there. He'll tell you what's going on. Like and, most uh, bad pigs, though, they'd be renting out that room. So you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't go in there. Yeah. The, the ghost's got to do a comedy show, too, I guess. Um, but uh, in this case, there was, I think it was another DeVries thing. He just happened to be on before you. He would do that thing called Bananthony. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember that. He would just bring yes. out like a collection of bananas in his yeah, arms no, and he would put them on yeah. the stool. And then he would, they would do the ring and then he would pick up different bananas and none of them would be the, the phone. You know, none of them would be anyone on the line until he got to like the last one. And it was just like yeah. generally ridiculous stuff like that. And then at some point, I don't know, you got your hands on a banana probably directly from Anthony, but you went on like three or four people later. And when you approached the stage, it wasn't a very good, uh, up until then, like I'm sure some people were doing okay, but you <laughs> fell into the speaker and then like knocked a bunch of stuff over on stage and like fell down on your head. And then when you popped up, you held up a banana peel. People were like, what the hell is going on? Why is he falling all over the stage? And then you held up this banana peel and you were like, this is from Bananthony, like three or four acts beforehand. You had slipped all the way to the stage or whatever. But like, you know, I mean, again, it's like, you know, in these situations, it's like, I don't know. It's it's almost like you can't prepare for how bad it's going to be. And then you're just being yourself and it's, it ends up turning out pretty well. Well, I think what happens is I, in my mind, I start thinking about what my act is going to be and what am I going to perform. Yeah. And then I kind of eliminate all of that because I realize it's nothing, nothing is working here. <laughs> so, uh, and so you're uh, just watching everyone else bomb. Also relying, I rely on recordings and a bunch of crap and things. And if none of those <laughs> things work, I'm screwed. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I, I used to love that place. Uh, yeah. It's a great place. Yeah. I don't mean to preempt Gary. Usually he asks you, I, we go one for one questions, but that leads me to just ask, like you do have a lot of gadgets. You have like tape recorders and you, you know, you use the, everything seems like it's ready to go. I guess my question is like, what's the worst that's ever gone? Like, have you ever gotten there and like the tape's not rewound and you got like, you got to run to the car to get a charger. Like what's, it's oh, yeah. Technical difficulties could really sabotage you very easily. Kevin Kataoka's joke is always that I have to have new batteries in my pocket or I'm screwed. But, uh, <laughs> or, 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 or do you have good batteries? And uh, he's worked with me enough to know that, like, you know, it, you, I've worked enough that sometimes yeah. I'll pick up the tape recorder and you're right, the tape's not in the right place. <laughs> and I'll just go, oh, okay. And um, 
or um, or the batteries <laughs> are dead, and the thing is just going. Yeah. And um, and because I've relied on that. Yeah. And I think when that ha- when that happens, I don't roll with it very well. Oh, I usually, really? I usually I usually just get mad that I don't have that bit, and then try to go to something else. Um, don't make fun of it. Um, yeah. I just remember doing a show once. It was kind of like a 420 type show. Yeah. And um, I went into, it was at the, uh, the place, uh, the cafe, the cafe place that had a stage to the left on uh, Glendale Boulevard under the bridge there. Is Eagle it? Rock Cafe? Eagle Rock Cafe? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds right. What was it called? It was great. It was a side yeah. thing. And I turned on the tape recorder and it didn't work. And my mind wasn't completely there, and I just went ah, and I threw it down. Yeah, and it shattered. The tape, yeah. the mini tape, mini cassette shattered. Yeah. Uh, somehow I got it back together. Um, In the middle of your act, you were like reassembling it like a rifle. Yes. Yeah. But it was a good crowd anyway. <laughs> they went with it. It was a pretty good crowd. Echoes uh, under awesome. sunset. That's it. Place. Yeah, it. That place was awesome. You don't have a computer in front of you. Um, <laughs> yes. Echoes Under Sunset. Yeah, RIP. Still love that place. Um, well, I have a couple of gigs in Boston that I could talk about. Oh, yeah, we'd love that. Oh, yeah. Um, I talked about, um, oh, we talked about the, uh, the Kowloons where you were in front of a bar and there was a big space. Yeah. There was, was a club called Plums. I okay. don't think you ever did that. No, but, I don't um, remember it. Yeah. Worcester, not Worcester, mm-hmm. uh, out in Worcester. And um, basically, you'd go in the ground floor, and you'd walk upstairs to the second floor, and um, there was a big square opening in the, on the top floor. Um, and you would, be, you would perform on one of the corners of the square. <laughs> the bar would be to your right, but there'd be nobody in front of you. Yeah. Just, a, just a wall. And yeah. then a big gap. Just a big gap. Nobody there looked down to the second floor and luckily there were two of us so one of us could move around while the other guy stayed on the mic or whatever (laughs) it was it was a hell gig but it lasted forever and everyone loved it i just remember you could drink for free so i would always get kravatsky um but um yeah for hell gig it was good (laughs) uh I remember seeing a lot of a lot of comics in kind of a rough time because there's nobody in front of you. There's nobody. You're yeah. not playing anybody. You have to you have to look to beyond yeah. beyond that edge of the room there. That's um, wild. One time, Bob and I uh, did UMass Amherst. Yeah, and uh, there in their you know multi-purpose room where they had food and everything. Yeah, that's and where I got my start actually. Yeah. It was like, I think it was like Blue Wall or something like that, or... Yeah, 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 Blue yeah, Wall. Yeah. That's where I got my start, in that room. Did you go to school there? Uh, for two semesters, UMass Amherst. Yeah, that's a oh, longer okay. story. I'll tell it on another podcast. But I basically would go and host on... I would try and get them to let me host on Fridays, and they would bring in a comedian from New York, usually, and then show a movie later on. I don't remember ever seeing you there while I was there. I was only there for two semesters. Oh, no. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, so Bob and I were doing a show, and um, we had a bit where it was uh, we would do like a creature double feature thing, and Bob would change it up like each time a little bit, and it was always the creature 
who did something and it was go out in the audience or whatever. And he sent yeah. me, and this time it was the creature uh, that ate cocktail napkins. So <laughs> that was me. I would go into the audience and pretty much just start shoving not timing napkins in my mouth and just going recently <laughs> and um uh i finished doing the thing and i did it at one table and these guys had totally sullen looks on their face like what the fuck are you doing and uh, <clears throat> i turn around i go back to the stage and as i get up on the stage and i turn around this guy comes out of nowhere with a beer and just throws the beer at me oh wow and, uh, you know that's a lot of a lot of the stories i think are bad things where people throw people yeah, yeah. Um, so editing the story, you know, we were pretty <laughs> upset, but we finished the gig. We did well and it went pretty good. And uh, Bob, my partner, got pretty upset. He was pretty yeah. upset that this guy did this. And yeah. I was mad too, but I was willing to not just go forget about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the show, he was looking for that guy. He was just looking for him. And we walked <laughs> across the room and we were at the bar talking to the somebody that running the room about it being very upset. And yeah. um, um, we finally spot the guy. Uh, he spots the guy and we started heading for him. <laughs> and I went, all right, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, and then a friend of his runs up and stops us and says, Hey, look, uh, I'm really sorry about that beer thing. Uh, uh, he just broke up with his girlfriend. He was very upset. And it's like, there's no excuse for anything. Yeah. Any yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the guy talked us out of it, and we just turned around. Luckily, I mean, luckily the guy talked. I wasn't going to start a fight. I could never do that. Um, Especially since they were college kids, I guess. <laughs> right, exactly. We would have killed them. No, no. <laughs> we weren't that old. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you uh, started out of college, right? <clears throat> I started out, no. Well, we did radio. At college. Oh, okay. But that's a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else was bad? Uh, plums. Um <laughs> Did you have any times at Nick's in your uh, in your time in Boston? Um, the least I could perform at Nick's, the better. <laughs> yeah, if that's, if that's proper English. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Nick's was never good. Uh, Nick's was a club run by gigantic gorilla type men at the door, mm -hmm. uh, right? Who obviously belonged to a larger organization. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, the story there is that the guys would get paid, you know, and they would go into the back with their paycheck with their money and then immediately buy Coke. And, be <laughs> the night. Um, and I think Bob and I were the only people that didn't do Coke during those years. Yeah, uh, well, that's good. That's a plus. People would go like this to us at a party and like point at the room in the back. And we would never go. I had, we had no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. Um, we were idiots. <laughs> Not that I didn't do a lot of coke. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> let's see, you met Cobbs. Uh, I opened for Andy Dick at Cobbs oh, uh, awesome. Comedy Club in San Francisco. I was going to say once, but it was the last time I ever worked there. But um, last time you ever saw Andy Dick too? No, he did my show. He did the tomorrow show, like <laughs> one of the last shows we did at the. Uh, oh, really? Shows. That is another story. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's pretty wild still, I think. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Hopefully he's cleaning but, it up with this pandemic. We, we pray for... He goes for back him. and forth, man. He goes yeah. back and forth. Completely clean, nice guy, kind of. Right. Uh, he never remembers me until I tell him one thing, and I can't remember what that is, and he always goes, oh, yeah, hi. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to do the show again, but he, I gave him two chances. Anyway, yeah. um, well, that's open enough. for him. So the audience is there to see him. 
Yes. So do that first of all. And he got and, a start in Chicago, so it's probably so packed, sold out, like everyone's there. Not that they wouldn't be if he were anywhere else, but this is in San Francisco. Oh, okay, San Fran, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, so it was uh, just hell. People would be, yelling, "Where's Andy? Andy!" Oh boy, because no. they're rowdy as he is, and that insane as him. But all it takes is like four or five of them, and the rest of the crowd doesn't know any better. It's like tourists mostly. Yeah. Um, so. I could not control that crowd with my act. I could yeah. not shut them up. There was no shutting them up. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Tom Sawyer came up to me on the third night. He went, Ron, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to let you go. I think uh, I'm going to pay you for the week, but I think it's a bad match. Yeah. So it was his fault in a way, but um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to do yeah. it anymore. I didn't want to yeah. do it. That was, a, that was like pure, a pure hell gig in a way because yeah. there was nothing for me to do. There was nothing for me to do. I didn't enjoy it. It's lose-lose. It's like even if you're, you go out and you give it your all, they're just going to overpower you with like shittiness and being mm. loud. And it's not worth it. You're, you're actually better off walking away and getting the money and like, you know, going to like the bookstore or wherever. <laughs> well, totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I was, there was no way I was going to reach those people. Right. The, the probably the first gig I ever did in Los Angeles was with you, Ron, where I did the Tomorrow Show at the Steve Allen. And uh, I, I, I love that room and I love that show. Yeah. It was so much uh, fun. Did, did you ever have a night there that was uh, not ideal? We did a lot of shows there. It was uh, like 13 years, right, Ron? Yeah, we were there. I Let's see. No, it was like 11 or 12 there. Okay. Um, doing gigs. But yeah, it could be, could be 13, something like that. Um, and um, there were just a couple of, there was only like a few tomorrow shows that I remember being really tired. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm hosting the show, so I have to, I have to be better, you know? Right. Um, but that's not hell, really. Uh, yeah. It's a little, little in, inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember anything bad except on one of my tomorrow shows. Uh, uh, there was a woman doing a, uh, I, it was a striptease thing, I think. Uh -huh. And um, it wasn't going that well. And um, it ended with her uh, taking a, a fluorescent bulb and putting it in a certain place and it would uh -huh. light up. Yeah. Um, a meat immediately freaked out. The guy running the theater. And uh, I was just laughing because I, there was nothing I could do. I'm not going to yeah. run up there. Hey, you can't do this. Right. Uh, <laughs> and how specific. There's uh, no way you could clear it ahead of time. Like, if she doesn't let you yeah. know, you couldn't be like, are you not going to stick a light bulb? And I don't think I booked her. I think I think someone right. else booked her. I could have been a beat. But, uh, it's my friend from out of town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she yeah. works the electric company. <laughs> <laughs> she makes a light bulb light. Um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. And they had a, they actually had a lot of racy stuff there. That lady plaster caster came through there where she was the woman who made, uh, plaster casts of like rock stars penises. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. She played there crazy. like at one, not on the tomorrow show, unfortunately, but, uh, she did her own show there. So they were used to like, even a meet was used to having racier things happen. Oh yeah. Well, whatever was hot. 
at the time. I actually had a nightmare night there one night, I can tell you about. And it involves our good friend, Barry Crimmins, wow. um, who I don't necessarily want to disparage because he's obviously one of my heroes. I love him to death. I was very lucky to be able to, like, you know, I guess be friends with him before he passed. And right. uh, You just you know, have like, many sides to Barry Crimmins. That's yes. all you got to Yes, and then he had a side that everyone, you know, sort of, I guess, already knows about it, if you know about Barry, but he could be very intimidating. He was like a grizzly bear, and uh, mm-hmm. he'd take your arm off. And he was doing your show there one night, and uh, John Ennis, he was staying with John Ennis, and then he was doing his own show before your show, and then he stuck around for tomorrow. Right. And Barry, as we all know, he, was in, he liked his drink. Uh, he was into his cups, and I think he had been given maybe either some bad edibles or some sort of a pill. I don't know what he had had that night. And it was, he was in town to do the Mark Marin. Um, so it was that big WTF where he did the interview. So he was like going through a lot of stuff. It was right before the Bobcat documentary. And I ran into him cause I was going to be doing your show as I usually do on Saturdays. And um, I was catching up with him in the parking lot. He was like, you know, I think he was like smoking a joint or something. So he was, he was having some fun in Los Angeles and uh, he was about to go on at your show and he asked me for advice. And so my problem is I'm like, well, what can I tell? Basically what I said to him was what can I tell Barry Crimmins that he doesn't already know? You know, I was like, how can I help you? You're amazing. Like you've done so much. You established the Boston comedy scene. And I think he was just a little nervous before your show. And I don't know if he just wanted to get his anxiety out or what. Because right. it was the uh, it was tomorrow tonight and he was gonna be interviewed by you. And I think he didn't know what it was. So I was like, I was like, Barry, I can't. I was like, You're a legend. I think I can't, you know, I basically, but I was trying to be like deferential to him. And he was like, Don't you patronize me. And then he started like waving his arm at me as though he was gonna like claw me. And I took a step back and I was like, oh no. And he's like, don't patronize me. And then he, he, it was like uh, The Shining or something. And your show was going on. It was like the start of your show. And he went into the back and he just kept yelling, don't show patron. He just kept saying it. And Amit was like, who is that guy? Do I need to go stop him or like call the police? I was like, don't go near him. I was like, don't go. I was like, nobody should go near him. He will tear you apart. And, uh, and I just remember being like, kind of i mean i was terrified uh i was completely terrified i I I was on stage at the time i remember yeah and you can hear him out in the hall and i was like you know and also you have that thing of like somebody that you love and appreciate and want to like be there for and like i was like i'm happy to help i'll do what i can but what can i tell you that you don't already know is basically what i said to him and he flipped out and i was just like oh shit like this i felt like it changed our relationship forever but he was probably already you know out of it and then uh, he just kind of stormed into the back behind your show and everyone was like, what's going on? And I was like, keep back. I was like, the monster's gone. You know, it was like one of those things. And then he went out and just like killed on your show. Uh, and then uh, I kept my distance until, you know, until the sun rose the he next did okay. day. Yeah, yeah, he was okay. It was fun. Uh, yeah. We, he performed and then he sat down, right? He sat down and talked. Yeah. I think they gave him a beer and he like calmed down. Yeah, but I could see it had been a long day for him. Yeah, it had been. Well, it had been a long uh, life, I think, at that point. He had he had, had so much he was going through. And, and then he, yeah. had, you know, it's like he was uncovering all these old demons. And 
I just I, I hadn't said, heard the now WTF. I'm tell a I walked into. Story. A, what's that? Uh, I'm going to tell a Crimmins story, which Great. is kind of not really a hell gig, but um, yeah, it was a hell gig. Um, Gary, do you have something to say before I start talking again? <laughs> I, I was. Uh, I'll, I'll add my Crimmins story after yours. Great. So. Okay. <laughs> um, there was another suburban gig out of Boston. And it's funny, we talked about it on the Ding Ho thing, but I can't think of what it was called. But um, the gig was actually like four comics, and in between each comic, there would be a half hour of dancing with disco <laughs> stuff and, um, you know, with lights and everything. So yeah. if you were the last performer, you weren't on for the two hours of the show and the two hours of the music and dancing and whatever. Yeah. So um, Bob and I, I remember once we actually went across the street to the, and walked down the block to the movie theater, saw a movie um, and got back in time <laughs> to do our show. Um, so one of the shows anyway, Barry was there and, and um, it was Barry, me and the other people I can't, we could not remember, but um, drinking was free. So mm -hmm. say no more for that and for Barry, but you know, I had a few with myself. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty fun. I mean, you know, it's a fun gig. Everyone's hanging out, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Barry may have gone on last, but that's not, the show is not the point. Yeah. So we all leave. We're all in the same car driving back. And um, I don't know what route we were on. I'm, I know we were far away and I know yeah. we're on a turnpike coming back on a pretty big highway. And, um, Barry just says, we got to pull over. I got to pee. We got to pull over. We got to pull over. Yeah. And so I don't know who was driving, but they weren't drinking just to make that point. Yeah. Um, so we, we pull over and uh, Barry gets out and we're all just kind of sitting there and we're all like looking to the right to see him. And then somebody goes over there. Barry had gone across the, oh the, uh, the freeway and was peeing on the median. Unbelievable. Uh, which he obviously was doing as a joke to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Barry is on his way back when a cop pulls up, oh. lights and everything, right behind us. Barry gets back in the car. Uh, cop comes up, and you think that's going to be the reason, which starts the reason. Um, yeah. And says, do you think it was smart what you did? And blah, blah, blah. He says, I know. We're all, we're comics. We just came from a a gig and uh, yeah, he goes. All right, well let's uh, let's have a couple. Okay, let's have your license. Blah blah blah. Um, and uh, he says uh, he goes back to the car. And we're getting really nervous because why did we get pulled over? And we're going to get in trouble because Barry peed on the median. Yeah. Uh, the cop comes back asking questions, editing the story, um, and um, we're all saying we're all comics. And of course, every time you kind of say that to a, a cop or something, it's like. All right, tell me a joke. Uh, well, we don't know, really know jokes, and we got to warm up. Who's the warm up act? You know, whatever. And uh, uh, Barry like says to the guy, "Look, I'm really sorry. I did that as a joke to these other guys. They're comics, so you know that. And I'm doing it for them." Yeah. Um, he says, "All right, I pulled you over because a, a, a store was robbed back there, which I think is a typical cop story." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have a very similar car. We knew there were three guys in the car, so we pulled you over and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he lets us go. 
So um, I'm <laughs> rushing through the story, but that's pretty much it. The point of the story is the fact that we got pulled over because <laughs> Barry was being on the median. Um, it's pretty funny. Pretty yeah, funny. it's it's so and great. Then, like one of the last times I saw Barry, we actually you were there. We booked you and Barry at the comedy store, and it was just like maybe it was like a year before he passed. But uh, when you and I were out on the little deck in front of the comedy store, he did a similar thing where he went right. left and he's like, all right, I'm just saying goodbye. He was actually in town promoting uh, Call Me Lucky. And we all went to the, you know, the documentary show to the silent movie theater. And then we had our show shortly, like later in the week at the comedy store. And he right. was, we were just like keeping him in his beers and getting him Budweiser's or whatever he was drinking. And then when he left, he's like, all right, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I gotta go. And then I told him how to get where he was going. I was like, it's down the street, you know, that way. And then he just walked out in the sunset, like the middle of the sunset strip, and then walked down the middle, like, like for a quarter of a mile, he was just kind of diagonally going across. And I tapped you on the yeah, shoulder yeah. and I was like, Ron, look, and it was just Barry. And I don't know if he was doing it as a joke or whatever. And I was like, if he were to get hit by a car, leaving the comedy store, the comedy world would never forgive me because oh, Barry is right. like, so the opposite of that place. Right. 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 And uh, oh. at least at that time he was. And uh, I like to think I am. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's why, you know, that's what I like to do. I like to put, you know, people with integrity in tough situations. Yeah, I had the last great discussion with him at that on that porch. Yeah. I was talking to him that, that, that night. Um, yeah. Yeah. Poor Barry. Yeah, we miss him. I, I, I met Barry once and uh, it was a very memorable um, it was a shitty night at Great Scott in Alston. He was uh, coming off the Call Me Lucky sort of like tour. They're ramping up for like the, uh, I think, you know, the, all the award season stuff. They're getting a lot of nods. And he was just coming to do a set. And I bought him a beer. And, uh, and he was nice. And he was kind of reserved. And I, I used to be a colonial rain actor in downtown Boston. <laughs> and he just then went off on a 10-minute tangent about how Shay's Rebellion tipped the hand of the forefathers, never really understanding the common man. <laughs> and I, I just sat there like a professor was just, he was like waxing poetic with a Paps blue ribbon. And he's like, you know, like they just treated these people beneath them. You know, that's, that's where they all went wrong. Sam Adams, <laughs> they're, all, they're all dirty. And uh, he was leaving as I was going on. I remember he went up and and he did good, and uh, the crowd was so-so, and, and I was like, oh, if you're, if you're gonna not see my set, uh, it was great meeting you. And then he came back in to watch me, and stayed in the back room, and, and laughed. And then we talked about my set, and then he asked me, because I was too embarrassed, he asked me if I wanted to get a picture with him, and I was like, of course. And uh, he, he couldn't have been nicer than me. Oh yeah, great guy, uh, that's great. So it's it, despite it's, uh, how he could turn into a grizzly bear, he's like one of the nicest, best people you'd ever meet in that yeah. regard. Um, hey, what time of the year was the uh, comedy store? Do you remember? What time of the year? Yeah, one I'm one. not sure. I think it was the winter time because I remember people being bundled up, um, and I'm not sure when. I imagine Call Me Lucky came out around awards season, right? It probably would have been like the maybe like. I don't know. I feel like it was December or whatever. They were already on the tour, and then they did that. I'm, I could be 
bastardizing it, but yeah, I think he, he was out here for a couple of weeks to promote that. I saw him in Edinburgh that year. Oh yeah. And um, in a bar downstairs and it was the greatest hits and it was just yeah. it was super great knowing him and knowing all his old material and his new material and yeah. stuff. And it was, was a on a tear then. There was a bunch of fans there. Yeah. It was pretty Did fun. you just run into him or did you know he was going to be there, Ron? I knew he was one of the things that was going to be there. And I yeah. went for several reasons, mostly to watch and maybe do a couple of shows. And then um, because I, I wanted to see what it was like if I didn't have to do a show every night at midnight to nobody yeah. um, <laughs> in a cave. Um, yeah, and, I mean, Edinburgh is like the king of all hell gigs, I think. Uh, I don't know. I miss it. I miss yeah, the yeah. whole experience. <laughs> I really do. Right. And, um, it's amazing. Drennan was doing a show there. I knew that was happening, too. Right. And Natalie Palomides had a show there. I okay. wanted to see oh, that. She's so funny. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I wound up doing Dren all of Drennan's shows because somebody dropped out just yeah. as I got there. Yeah. All of my... I never lost my luggage. My luggage disappeared for wow. a couple of days. And so I didn't have any props, so... Uh, yeah. Brandon's producer grabbed all these things that he needed for Mesmerizo, and he just got me. He got two sticks, two long sticks, <laughs> and two and two like shopping bags, two yeah. plastic shopping bags. And as soon as I saw them, I went, "This is so wrong." Yeah, and I'm not going to fill people in. So anyway, I wind up using yeah, them, yeah. and it was so awkward that it was even funnier. I think. Yeah, yeah. But, so I wound up doing Drennan show and saw other shows at the same time. And really had a great time. I had a great hotel room. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and Barry was great. And Barry was great. I I'm sure. Was he, was he performing every night or was he just kind of guesting on other people's shows there for a short time? I know he was time. doing at least a week yeah. there. And um, um, his wife took pictures of me and him. Right. Of me. She has one of the best, you know, I don't like pictures of me all that much, but I... Uh -huh one of the best candid pictures of me I've ever seen. Oh, Mostly because cool. I had no idea she was taking a picture, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. And it, was me, and it was me laughing at Barry. So yeah. it, it was a good moment. Was that's a good awesome. Moment. <clears throat> I, um, Chris and I have a game that we like to do uh, with each other right now, which is leave messages as the world's worst booker. <laughs> uh I don't know if you would be so kind to, to, to take an attempt or take a swing at what that might sound like. So it'd be a phone message for a gig that you don't want to do. It's me. It's a, it's a booker talking to a comedian. Talking yes. to you, leaving you a message about the, a, a terrible gig. And they're leaving you these details that are oh, okay. just off. Okay. okay. <laughs> right now? Um, Let's do it. Yeah, Ron, listen, um, it's a cruise. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, you're not, you're not taking the big cruise. You're not in the, in like one, in a, in a guest room, but you're, 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 you're staying with the crew. I mean, they, they get their own bed and, um, you're, uh, just so you know, the ceiling, you kind of have to hold on to the ceiling while you're performing. So if you use both of your hands, um, you probably can't, you might be able to for a second. But the ship is moving constantly. So, um, and you have to perform uh, every night. And then uh, uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, 
there's a uh, one o'clock show. And, um, <laughs> there's kids at that show. So the kids at that show, so it's got to be clean. And um, I wouldn't use any props because uh, they always fly all over the place. Um, and um, even if there's two people, you got to do the show. You got to do the show. Um, actually, we, we have started the show with nobody there, just so you know. You have to start the show with nobody there, and that'll be you. You're hosting the show, um, and the only thing with you, you're hosting, but there is a magician who comes up and um, who also juggles, and um, <laughs> he's great. He is great. Um, anyway, good luck. Um, it pays. Uh, it pay, oh, I can't tell you that yet, actually. We have to wait to see how many people uh, book uh, that cruise. Uh, and, uh, that cruise goes from, uh, Long Beach and it goes down, uh, to Mexico, but as soon as it hits Mexico, it comes back. Um, and there's a lot of gambling, by the way, too. There's a lot of gambling. So, uh, I would hang out. I wouldn't bring any money. Wouldn't bring <laughs> any, um, because some of the things you have to gamble to get them. Um, and that's how the food works. Actually. Uh, you, you, if you want food, um, you're going to be, you're going to have to pay, like a 10 to one bet um, of uh, like five bucks, five bucks is enough because you can get 50 bucks of food out of that. But um, you also have a chance of losing. Um, I would not pick the number seven. Okay. Well, good luck. Um, uh, you want to get, if you want to get a hold of me, you got to call the, uh, call the, call the, um, the cruise line and ask for the uh, comedian, the comedy booker. Uh, and then they'll give you this guy who doesn't know me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you can't leave so the message, I don't think. That's the best thing that's ever oh, been man. on this show. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of actually the first time I saw you perform at the comedy studio. I had no idea what I was seeing. And I just remember thinking, like, I was laughed out. I, I like my, you know, it's like when your jaw hurts, it's just perfect. I had, uh, not ashamed to say I had tickets to see Dane Cook later in the night. And by the time I got to see him, I had seen you and Louie was headlining that night at the studio. And I just, I had nothing for Dane. Uh, uh, you'll be uh, happy to know by the time I got over the comedy connection. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us, Ron. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you. Are we done? I can't tell the toilet flushing. <laughs> Did you get a toilet flush? Do you remember the uh, Steve Allen Theater had that toilet flushing oh, noise? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was usually Mike, me. Uh, Mike Upchurch finally fixed it. Yeah. Uh, there was a pressure in the pipes or something. Right. A really quiet moment sometimes in the theater things they would do there, and you hear a big toilet flush. So he yeah. recorded the sound of it. He recorded the sound. Yeah. And I knew it was over, and we were, I was doing the show once, and he waited till the worst point in what I was doing and made that toilet flushing noise. And it was louder than normal because it was a recording of it. Yeah, yeah, and it was over the speakers. It was perfect. I just started laughing, forgot what I was doing completely, um, and lost it. Uh, yeah. Not the best story to end on. No, but, that's uh, perfect. That is yeah. perfect. Ron, sorry, you're, go ahead, Gary. you're doing the online uh, uh, tomorrow show on Instagram Live. Um, people can catch you on Instagram at- That is correct. At Ron Lynch. Ron Lynch one, Ron? Ron Lynch one. At Ron Lynch one. Yeah. Got it. And there's a page for tomorrow as well, right? At tomorrow? 
There's an at tomorrow with Ron Lynch, but I don't have enough followers on that. Okay. There's more followers on my thing. So Right. So follow at Ron Lynch one, R-O-N-L-Y-N-C-H, the number one on it. Was your girlfriend's advice actually that I did that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, every Saturday, uh, it's 11 p.m. Pacific, which makes it 2 a.m. Eastern, which isn't, you know. That is right. Rick Shapiro's doing the show this Saturday? That's great. No. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that would help. Oh, it doesn't matter. This is an airing at the. At no, airing. this will be out in like like in twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, we're not <laughs> sure. But uh, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, Ron. We really appreciate. Adam, it. All great talking to you guys. It's good to talk to people that I know. Thanks <laughs> so much, Ron. Likewise. We'll, let's do some coffee. We'll hang out, all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary loves to network. All right. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.